0: This episode is brought to you by awkwardly making eye contact with the driver in the lane next to you. Thank you. Confidence and movement, steady breath, and eyes focused are features of a person that is dedicated to living their best life. As life moves forward, this person learns to be flexible while never sacrificing strength. There's an awareness of the present that allows them to let go of past discontent and future anxieties. Most importantly, this being can understand that they're not doing this in pursuit of perfection, but instead in pursuit of transformation. The ability to put these traits into practice is what is known as yoga. As a disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, I'm not a therapist or a counselor. Everything that I talk about in this episode are things that are based off of my own personal experiences, my academic background, and research conducted by myself. Today's episode is called Understanding Yoga and You. I'm very excited to talk about yoga today because it is something that is a large passion of mine. I am a registered yoga instructor. I received my 200-hour certification in the summer of 2015. I've been practicing yoga since adolescence, so it's something that's been very important to me on a physical level for a long time. But as I reached adulthood and started learning more about the philosophical side of yoga, I've been able to adapt it into something that I practice in my everyday life as well, and that's come with many great benefits. In this episode, I want to talk about what yoga really is. I am going to give a little bit of a breakdown on the different types of yoga, as well as Indian philosophy and where yoga fits there. I am also going to talk about my personal practice and the mental and physical benefits of yoga. So, yoga. The word yoga itself means unity. This is a theme that applies on all fronts of life. There's literal unity of the body and the mind to work towards building an asana practice. Asana means postures. Mental unity is provided when one takes a yogic approach to gain perspective in the mental and emotional states. There's also spiritual unity that's obtained when one regards a higher power in which to model. As we talk about yoga, it's important to understand that there are many different types of yoga and different ways to practice. And yoga is also a part of something larger. In Indian philosophy, there are seven main schools. There's Buddhism, there's Nyaya, Vashashika, Sankhya, Yoga, Mimamsa, and Vedanta. Yoga is not just a physical activity, it's a way of thinking. Yogic philosophy is an ancient philosophy that takes a look at the existence as a whole. And within this, there are several paths of yoga. As time moves forward and iterations of yoga change to fit modern times, there is going to be a lot of different types of yoga that come to light. And they are all valid practices, but talking about these fundamental paths of yoga gives an idea of where some of these more modern practices are actually rooted from. So first there's Ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga focuses on the eight limbs of yoga. This means that it includes all the teachings of all of the paths of yoga, but it delves deeply into the root of yogic philosophy and understanding. Hatha yoga is the traditional yoga that's been adapted into western culture. So when you see someone practicing, or maybe you go to a class yourself, or just what pops into your head when you think yoga is typically going to be hatha yoga. Hatha yoga is a large thing. It focuses not only on the physical postures, the asana, but you also have a deep focus on breath control. You regard your breath as your life force, and so being able to control that, and you also focus on methods of purification. This is called sosha. Kundalini yoga regards the body and and the mind as fields of energy, and it focuses on ways to use the flow of the body and the mind. Mantra yoga is the main type of yoga that's used for meditation. It helps one focus inward and keeps their attention directed toward a successful meditation. Now, last but not least, there are several types of yoga that kind of fall in line with each other. There's like a buy one, get three concept with this, but it's karma, bhakti, and jnana yoga. These all regard selfish ego as a setback in life, and they teach that by using self-service, karma, devotion, bhakti, and understanding, jnana, that one can free themselves from the restraints of the ego. Now, when you understand the goals that you have and what you hope to achieve in life, And also as you build your own clarity of life, you are better able to decide or come to a conclusion as to what yoga you feel comfortable practicing. Me personally, I had practiced Hatha my entire life and when I say practice Hatta, before I went to the teacher training, it was definitely more of a watered-down version. I would find YouTube videos or books and just copy what I saw out of those and turn it into a practice for myself for more of a physical benefit than anything else. When I jumped into the yoga training, I was able to learn and actually get hands-on experiences with many other parts of yoga I was trained as a Hatha yoga instructor, and with that, I was not only learning and diving deeper into the postures and the benefits of the postures, but breath control, self-purification, meditation, so many different aspects of yoga and yogic philosophy. And all of this brought me into learning more about Ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga is what I personally practice, something that Really drew me in about Ashtanga Yoga is that it's something that's more regimented. There is a discipline and it's a set discipline that you follow. And one thing that I love about that is that it gives you options to not only practice your yoga on your mat, but practicing your yoga and everything that you do during the day. So, as I said, Ashtanga Yoga does follow a set discipline. There are eight main points that are regarded through the practice and teachings. These are called the eight limbs. These limbs are things that you kind of just do or things that you're striving towards. First, there's the yamas. Yamas are restraints and they are things that you should restrain from in your everyday life. The yamas are non-harming, truthfulness, non-stealing, moderation, and non-possessiveness. The niyamas are observations, so things that you should look for and look towards in your life. This is purity, contentment, self-discipline, self-study, and self-surrender. You are practicing the yamas and the niyamas and every action that you take and how you regard the world and how you track your motivations. The third limb is asana, and these are our postures. So the physical aspect of yoga, actually being able to focus on strengthening and making the body more flexible and making it more viable. The fourth limb of yoga is pranayama, which is breath control. The breath is regarded as a life force. When you're able to understand your breath and control the breath. You're able to give the body different benefits that are either on more of a subtle level or on more of a gross level where you're able to really feel it right then and there. The next four limbs are a little bit more complicated and they all kind of fall in line with your ultimate goal. So the fifth limb is called Pratyahara and this is sense withdrawal. It's pretty much learning to let go of all of the external stimulation that we have and really bring ourselves inward. With that comes dharana, and that's concentration. Once you're able to withdraw from the world and everything external, you're able to bring your mind to concentrate on something single. The next is dhyana, and dhyana is meditation. Again, we need sense withdrawal, and we need concentration to be able to carry out a meditative practice. And last is samadhi, which is the realization of the self. And so it's your ultimate goal. It's like nirvana or bliss. Samadhi is just being able to understand the big S self. One thing that I have been able to attest to is that once I've been able to understand the type of yoga that I practice, it's been so much easier for me to bring it into my everyday life. When I am really dedicated in my practice, my quality of life is a lot. I am able to stay more focused I'm able to complete things more easily. My body feels good. My mind feels good. It's something that I'm able to really see benefit from immediately and in the long term. Yoga does have many benefits on a physical and mental level. It helps you identify and correct imbalances in the body and in the mental state. In the body, some of this identification and correction is achieved by building proprioception. Proprioception is the ability to know where the body is in space. As you practice, you're able to sense your placement, your balance, and your imbalances more accurately. Also, the postures that are used in yoga are made to bring flexibility and strength to the body. Yoga allows one to take advantage of all aspects of the physiology in a way that's functional. So everything that you learn in yoga is something that can benefit you in every aspect of your life, whether you're running or biking or swimming. In the mind, yoga acts as a vehicle to help one understand their true nature. You're put in many situations in life that require you to act and respond. Yoga gives you the opportunity to build awareness of your mental health and refrain from actions and responses that are not beneficial. It also calls on you to reflect on your actions and attribute analysis where necessary. Starting a yoga practice does take a level of dedication and consciousness. You'll find at times that it's physically and emotionally trying, but yoga aids in making these moments more manageable. Yoga is not a cure all or a fix all for everything that might go wrong in your life. It does allow you to understand how to bring yourself to a place where you feel more stable and how to identify when you are being put off balance or something is kind of throwing you out of whack. And understanding yoga gives you an opportunity to dive deeper into not only just your physical and mental states, but dive deeper into your understanding of the world. I think this is something that... And a lot of people don't know the side of yoga that a lot of people aren't familiar with because we do think of just the postures when we think of a yoga practice or maybe sometimes even the meditation when we think of a yoga practice. Outside of the physical aspect of yoga, it is something that you're using to channel all of your energy and all of your desires on a mental level into. So now that you have a brief understanding of What all a yoga practice can consist of. How do you implement this in your own life? Yoga is something, like I said, that is very versatile. You can use yoga any way that you need to in the moment. Turning yoga into your personal practice does take a little bit of understanding what you're trying to achieve. When starting a yoga practice or starting anything, any type of venture into understanding yourself a little bit better, you really do need to objectively look at what you're hoping to achieve, and where you want to go with it. Yoga is something that can be practiced on maybe a very tentative level, where you're not immersing yourself in it all day, every day. And it can be something that's practiced where you are immersing yourself, and it's all-encompassing. You kind of have to feel out and see what fits best for you. I recommend if you're looking to try a yoga practice or start a yoga practice to implement just small things at a time. One thing that we're already familiar with is the asana part of yoga. Some people like the physical challenge, some people don't. If you are a person that does like the physical challenge, start looking into practicing. Um, There are many teachers that teach online, have YouTube channels and websites that you're able to access. And there are yoga studios everywhere, so I would look into a yoga studio maybe in your area and learn to work with a teacher. A very important part of yoga is the lineage, and so whether you're doing Ashtanga or Hatha or Kundalini yoga, it's a practice that's brought down from person to person, and it's teacher to student, teacher to student. It's something that has a very long historical value. And having that lineage, having a teacher, is something that's very important and allows you to turn your practice into a dedication. It is important to have a teacher also because you have someone that's physically there with you and helping you understand the postures, helping you understand your body, And able to help you get into posture safely and get out of posture safely. That's the biggest thing and it's kind of the bane of all yoga instructors' existence that a lot of people will try out a yoga practice and maybe they'll jump into it and not have the one-on-one attention that they need. Or maybe they'll have a bad experience one time and they never want to do it again because they always remember that time that they got hurt while trying yoga And yoga should never hurt, and so if you are getting injured while doing yoga, that's something that needs to be addressed, and maybe your body isn't flexible in the way that you're trying to move, or maybe you have a deeper injury or a previous injury that you're not aware of or that has been impacting the way that your body moves for a long time. And having a teacher allows you to better identify that, and it allows you to Come up with a practice that fits you. Also, I would say that if you are looking to practice yoga, um, start looking into some of the texts that are available. One of my favorite books is Yoga Mala, and it's by Patabi Joyce. And he is an instructor, a teacher that has brought Ashtanga yoga into its modern state. And so very grateful for that from him, his contribution to the yoga world. And he wrote Yoga Mala as an instruction manual and it kind of gives you a lowdown on how to practice, when to practice and things to be conscious of as you live your life. There are also other instructors and other books. Um, There's Light on Yoga, if you practice more of an Iyengar style. There are authors and Teachers such as Kina McGregor, she's an Ashtanga teacher that I really adore, and she really knows how to break down yoga for anyone, and it's very inspirational to see someone that is fairly young get so deeply involved in a yoga practice in a way that helps bring it to anyone and makes it accessible for almost anyone. There are a crazy amount of teachers everywhere, and so the internet can be your best friend when it comes to yoga because you are able to access a lot of different teachings and classes that maybe you didn't have access to before. I also believe that a yoga practice is something that you have to learn to be consistent with like anything else. If you want to get good at something, you have to practice, and if you want something to become a lifestyle, you have to keep going at it even when it's hard. And just like any lifestyle change, there is a learning curve and it is difficult to train yourself to take on this new challenge. Yoga is very beneficial, not only on the physical and mental level, but it does help bring you to a place where you want to make better choices. And I think that's something that says a lot especially when we do live in a time where it's so easy to get what we want when we need it and you don't have to work as much for it. Yoga is something that teaches you patience and teaches you to work for it. I want to start making videos and doing some uh, more talks on yoga that work with this podcast. Of course, I'm still always going to talk about self-care as I go forward, but Yoga, like I said, is a large passion of mine, and so there will be videos and more talks to come. With the holidays coming up, so the week of Christmas, I will not be doing a podcast, and I will see you guys and talk to you again in the new year. With that, I'm going to be bringing some episodes that are a little bit longer. If you have time, give me some feedback on what you might want to hear about or things that you might have questions about. This podcast is on iTunes, and it's on Stitcher. If you are accessing it through one of those platforms, please make sure that you rate and review. It does a lot to make my podcast visible to other people. Also, I am online. The Solitude Podcast has a Facebook page at Solitude Podcast. I also have Instagram and Twitter under at Unclear Mind. That's U N C L E A R. M-I-N-D, and my website is unclearmind.com. You can find solitude podcast episodes there, as well as my blog and some things about yoga. If you have any questions for me personally, I want to reach out. My email address is Tatiana, T-A-T-I-A-N-A at Unclearmind. Until the new year, I'm Tatiana, and this is Solitude.